What's up, everyone? Welcome to Through the Veil, episode number eight. In this episode, I dive deep on the topic of masculinity with my friend Nathan Kohlerman. And this was a really, really good episode. I think both of us have a lot of shared experiences around growing up and feeling like we needed to be a certain way as men. And as we got further in our maturity, kind of realizing that that was all bullshit and what really defines you being a man is totally different than what society at large kind of presents to you when you're a child um, and growing up in that paradigm. So I hope you enjoy this one. It, we really both approached it from a very vulnerable place and really opened up about our own experiences growing up as men so i hope you dig it if you do please consider dropping a five-star rating if you're listening on itunes uh, if you're watching on youtube or somewhere else then please consider commenting liking the video and subscribing and as always the most helpful thing you can do is to share this out with a friend um, i really really think this episode is something a lot of young men especially need to hear so if you can share this out to someone you think could use this em this episode as a example that would be awesome but yeah without any further ado let's dive right in so Nathan, welcome to the podcast. Uh, if you can tell me a little bit about what it is that you do and just, you know, briefly describe uh, briefly describe kind of what you're working on right now and what's getting you excited in life right now. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Um, so I am a you know, movement coach. So I have a wide variety of education tools, skills in which... I created New Intention, which is a brand that is built to redefine human optimization through mind, body, and soul. Coming from places of awareness, intention, and action, really having a firm awareness of what's really happening within the body and having awareness of different faulty patterns that and compensations that we encounter on a day-to-day -day basis that have become subconscious to a point where we don't even realize that the that the dysfunction even exists. So I primarily do that through movement assessments. And from there, I address any type of pain and going into the body and saying, okay, what's going on in your body? Are you pain? Are you, are you in pain? Are you discomfort? Are you, are you experiencing discomfort? Are you immobile? Are you stiff? Are you restricted from doing anything you want to do in your life? And then creating movement and flow and expression with a very spiritualistic aspect and an approach to where I really empower my clients to really listen to their bodies and, and perform what movements they feel are the best for them in that present moment. You know, I haven't written a paper program for a client to come in in over three years. And that's because I look at somebody walk through the door and if I were to write a program and they're walking a little bit differently, I feel in my heart that the program is therefore invalid. So I really come from a, a place of presence and understanding and compassion. So, you know, my mission is to eventually move into the transformational recovery coach pathway. And I'm starting to work and, and attend different retreats. I'm mm -hmm. actually co-hosting retreat to Bali mm -hmm. in September, right before our summit in Sedona. Yeah. I fly in that Friday and drive up to Sedona that very same day. Exciting. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And, you know, just really helping people understand, you know, where their addictions are coming from and knowing that their addictions are not just a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction. Sometimes they have an addiction to being right. They have an addiction to being in control. They have an addiction to their own suffering, which I personally experience every single day that I have to mindfully work and create pathways to, to navigate my own. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm on this, on this very powerful pathway of just building very strong communities around me and providing as much value and just giving people and empowering people the tools they need to live their best life and to heal themselves. It's awesome. I love it. The, uh, I think it's a beautiful thing that you don't write people programs ahead of time. Cause that's, I, used to be a certified personal trainer. And that's one thing I would notice a lot is like for a long time, I was fucking just writing these programs. <laughs> I just like writing these cookie cutter things for people. And then just like, I'm like, why did I write? They should do a pistol squat when a, they don't fucking know what that is. And B, they definitely can't do one. Like, 
don't know. It, so I'm totally with you. I think the best way is to be able to analyze the person in front of you and go, oh, like your left leg is broken. Okay, no squats. Sorry. <laughs> like <laughs> it's an extreme example, but kind of gets at the the spirit of it. Um, so kind of how we connected, we're both in Aubrey Marcus's fit for service. And we had talked a little bit on Instagram about just the topic of masculinity, which I think is a a woefully under-talked about topic um, for men. And I think both you and I, from talking to you a little bit before this, probably have similar backgrounds in the way that our masculinity has probably progressed over time and how at a younger age and even, you know, fairly recently for me, it's been a very negative part of my life and only now it's started to transform into a positive part of my life. So I'd be curious just to hear how your story um, has progressed over time and just how you've gone through the different steps of your masculinity and how that's evolved for you over time as you've become more conscious of it, become more aware. Yeah, most definitely. And then I'm, I'm definitely to hear your side. Um, but yeah, man, I think, I think it started, you know, even, even just by the age of eight, you know what I'm saying? Like being in the backyard and we had this like crazy looking freaking fucking emu, emu thing, dude, we had like a mini ostrich in our backyard <laughs> and I used to have glasses and braces. So it used to chase me because of the shiny stuff mm. and I had these giant claws, terrified of the bird, terrified. And I remember my dad like yelled at me because I was crying, mm. like, stop crying, like, okay, men don't cry. Right. Stop. And then kind of progressing through that and going in, into high school football and wrestling and, oh, well, you're gay if you, if you wrestle around with men. You're, you're gay if you do this. You're gay if you do that. I'm like, mm-hmm. like dude, I was just kissing my girlfriend like right. over my wrestling match. What do you mean? Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if you make physical contact with men, now, now it's already proposed that there's some type of homosexuality there, which I – First off, don't have an issue with. Second off, not really, it, it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being in football, it's like, oh, you're hurt? Well, quit crying about it. Rub some dirt on it. Get up. Get the fuck back in there and, and do what you need to do. You know? And then, you know, just my experience going through, like, gang culture and addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, gang culture was you men don't respect women. Like, mm-hmm. they don't they're beesies and bitches and this and this and that. And it's a, it's a word for a, a derogatory term for every single woman that you come in contact with. And it's like, well, they don't deserve respect because you're the man, you're the man, you're the man. And then going into drugs, it's like, well, you're the connect. So if she wants drugs, she has to do this. Right. So like there's been this weird counteractive balance of, where a man's place in society is and a women's place in society. And I think I experienced that the most in the military. Like after five and a half years in the army, like I saw sexism at at its finest. Yeah. You know, and you know, I rode that train for a little bit, not going to lie. You know, I was, I was big macho Sergeant Kohlerman, this, this, that, and the third. And right. You know, some of the females would say, well, I can do whatever you can do. They're like, yeah, let's go. Right. Go ahead. You know what I'm saying like challenge accepted. Mm-hmm. If you want to act bad, let's do it. And that was my mentality at the time. And I look yeah. back and I'm like, God, oh, that was really stupid because yeah. there are some girls out there who are outrunning me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like shit. <laughs> Take an ego blow on that one. Exactly. Um, and then going into my journey through bodybuilding, you know, that's probably where I saw the first rise of women being more successful than men in, in my life, at least. Mm. Um, because I, I didn't see a lot of female success in sports. I didn't see a lot of female success in drugs. I didn't see any success in drugs. Um, you know, I didn't see a lot of success in the military unless, you know, it was maybe 1% of the women actually like scaled it up, you know, but that's because the military had always had that tradition or those like weird compromised values. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I was a, com- a bodybuilding competitor, I saw, you know, women getting the majority of the attention mm-hmm. and it brought about this like jealousy, mm. like this is such a subjective sport and why are they getting more credit? Why are they getting more followers? Why are they getting more likes? Oh, you're just putting ass pictures on Instagram. That's why. And I would justify me trying to like bring them lower mm-hmm. that was pre-programmed and 
you know, now on this journey, you know, out of that bodybuilder ego, ego environment, experiencing injury and having to ask women for help a lot of the time. And even now working with trainers who are women who are much smarter than most of the other male trainers. I know, I mean, that's, that's just a fact. Like I know a, a lot of very smart women trainers. I know a lot of very smart men trainers and I really can't tell the difference between the two now. Yeah. Uh, and what I'm noticing even now, it's like women are rising in power. Like some of the best online fitness coaches who have the most successful businesses are women's coaches mm -hmm. because women have the ability to connect with women. And now I'm in this place and, you know, thankfully with, with the, fit for service mastermind with Aubrey. It's like, we are all equal. We are all love. We are all connected mm -hmm. and there should be no judgment. We should be choosing the track of love, not the track of fear where now I kind of look at it and I'm like, wow, I really respect women and I really do give them kudos. And I think as a man now, I think the biggest transition for me was understanding that women are rising in power because they're rising together. But why aren't men doing that? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the timeline and I'm looking at the story and men have never been vulnerable with men because if a man cries, what is he? He's weak. If a man has any type of physical contact, then he's gay. If a man has any sense of weakness, you know, or insecurity, he's crazy, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I use this, this, this term a lot when, especially with me wanting to go and dive into retreats and especially even men's retreats, yeah. um, you know, building men up in a world that really has knocked them down, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not the fact that women are bashing men, it's men that are bashing men. Yeah. You know, so, so how do we change the paradigm on that? It's kind of where I'm at now in my masculinity and being very comfortable in my masculinity to know that I am okay with having femininity as well. There yeah. has to be equal energy balance there. Exactly. You're just constantly in confliction with your, with your soul. <laughs> like yeah. you just don't feel right. Like I can't walk around like, Oh, I'm a macho man. Like I feel stupid if I do that now. Like why would I? Like I'd rather much I'd much rather be very deeply connected and emotional and being able to share the same experience and conversations and connections with both men and women to where now we are equal parts. So that's kind of been my journey. That, that's awesome. That touches on a lot of points that I think yeah. correlate well with my journey as well. Um, yeah. And I love it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, because this is the conversation that we had on Instagram. Yeah comments back and forth it's like in football it's like oh you banged her like yeah. oh, nice job bro mm -hmm. like in the military oh you banged her oh she's a slut bro yeah. like you know what i'm saying and there's always been like a negative connotation with right. men are sexually driven to women and even why we choose women as sexual partners because we want to fill some type of void and we want to boost our ego from it you know, and now it's like, I could care less what you look like. If we can sit around and talk for six hours and have a deeply emotional conversation, or if we can really connect, like, that's what I'm more worried about. That's what I'm more interested in now. Absolutely. I think that's the, that's the healthy piece on the other side of the veil once you pierce through it. And that I know for me, what I've noticed, I'll touch on quick and then I'll jump back to my story a little bit. But what I've noticed is the reason that so many of these hyper-masculine cultures have a demeaning, a demeaning demeanor towards women is because they need to dehumanize them to feel good about the things that they're doing. So for you to just be like, oh, I'm just out here fucking bitches, bro. It's like the guys are doing that because if they really admitted to themselves that they were just having these super, super shallow interactions, which I've fucking been there for a long time, then it's very empty and it doesn't feel good. So they have to figure out some way to like justify like, no, 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 and make it a competition and just, oh yeah, you did that. Cool, bro. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's no knock on sleeping with people, sleep with as many people as you want as a man or a woman, do your thing. But it's coming to that healthy understanding on the other side where it's, 
you're looking for something a little bit deeper. You're trying to actually forge real connections. And that can still be within one night. It doesn't have to be you were seeing someone for four months before you slept together. But when you're actually looking for something a little bit deeper, you're not just you're not just disrespecting the person you're sleeping with and trying to trick them into doing something. You're here, here's me open. Here's who I fully am. Are you interested? You are. Okay, let's hear who you are. Ah, now I'm interested. Awesome. Let's do this. It's a totally different paradigm. Yeah, it's not that shallow emptiness where you wake up the next morning and you're like super shameful and you just have this like gross feeling and you're like, yeah. how fast can you get out of my house? Why did I do that? Yeah. You know, like, uh, oh, I don't even remember your name. Yep. That for me was my breaking point. Yeah. The day I didn't remember somebody's name, I felt like such an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want, and I saw her face. Yeah. Like, like, damn, like that, that, that really hurt her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to change. Absolutely. And I think it's a drug addiction, alcohol addiction. A lot of these things go hand in hand with this because you often find, you know, for me, it was alcohol addiction for a very long time. And you often find that to, to be continuously displaying this behavior, you have to numb yourself in some way. And a lot of times that takes the form of drugs or alcohol because you can't just keep doing that forever with, without feeling some emotional void that isn't getting filled. So it's like, how can I, how can I dumb myself down a little bit? So I'm not thinking so much about what I'm doing because the internal me is screaming out like, Hey, asshole, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. dude. And, and I think that was my thing with heroin too, man. It was just like, you know, I, I used heroin for a multitude of reasons Mm -hmm. back in the day I'm discovering, but um, especially when I had interactions with women, or, or girls at the time because I was a teenager mm-hmm. you know and it was it was more of a sense to numb myself from again like you just said perfectly you know these thoughts mm-hmm. you know and I think that's the biggest downside of, of like where the masculine you know feminine border was drawn with sexuality it's like you know those those next day thoughts like in what you really feel about yourself because you treated something like it was like it was a fish and game prize mm-hmm. rather than a human, you know, and, and to be honest, like nobody feels good after that. I mean, unless you're a narcissist, but yeah. you know, and there could be temporary, you know, I always noticed for myself, there'd be temporary joy in it, you know, just like, kind of like, yes, I did it. And then very quickly following just like, huh. just Oh, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, well, I guess I need to go do it again because that'll that'll fix this. And then, Is that huh? Yeah, more of the same. Didn't change anything. Weird, strange. Do the same thing over and over, and expecting a different result. Yeah, and it kind of like so. I remember my journey from when I was younger. So when I was maybe fifteen, fourteen, I was like the sweetest guy ever. Super, super nice. But I think there's a there's a continuum and on that continuum it's like there's the nice guy but he's being nice to get something you're not genuinely nice and that was me at 14 or 15 and 16 was like i was nice to get something i was nice so that someone would like me so they would sleep with me not just i genuinely care just nice for a result and i kind of noticed that fucking doesn't work because it's creepy (laughs) turns out so then I started to swing more in towards like being the party guy, being the fun guy, a little bit of a douchebag and just kind of like not, not overtly disrespectful, but just not caring very much. And that started to work a little bit. I'm like, Oh great. This is working. Oh my God, this is the thing. So it's like, I rode that train for a long time and that got me deep into partying all the time and deep into alcohol. And, you know, at one point I was drinking like four nights a week, just going out and fucking hitting it hard. And it was through a series of mushroom journeys that I did. Um, I did four deep mushroom journeys of about five grams each in about eight months time span. And that kind of woke me up to the fact that I was seeking love. I was really just out seeking love, but I wasn't, I wasn't putting, I kind of liken it to this. When you, 
when you're out there not being yourself, you're not giving anyone any parts of yourself that are real for them to actually love. You're just giving them a facade and nobody's going to love a facade. They might sleep with a facade, but they're not going to love a facade. So the mushroom journey has kind of showed me that it's like, Hey, you're not putting any of your real self out there because you're scared. And that's why you're not getting any of what you're actually seeking. You're only getting this shallow surface result of just the physical pleasure and maybe the momentary reprieve of the, the thoughts in your mind spinning. And on the other side of that, I started to drink way less and I started to craft some more real intentional friendships started to go out sober sometimes. I started to actually talk to people and actually be be interested in what they had to say and actually to share of myself. And I think it was funny because I started to almost come back full circle to the nice person I was before, but this time it was from a, a place of genuine interest and not of trying to get something of just like, hey, I want to go out and if I can make someone's day a little bit better, that'd be awesome. And turns out that works just as good <laughs> and you can meet just as many amazing people but the difference is is they start to become real deep lasting relationships and that's I, that's the thing i think you know i wish someone would have taught me in high school i wish someone would have taught me at that young age is that you don't have to be this bad person to get results and you don't have to be this bad person to be masculine to be a man but you do have to be genuine and people can sniff out when you're being disingenuine and it's a hard thing to learn as a kid but it's like in my adult age nothing's been more effective for me than being genuine and like going here's who i am if you don't like it oh well it's not the end of the world but i'm not out here trying to uh trying to trick people like i used to be i guess yeah that's awesome yeah i mean that's that's something that really resonates with me because what I found especially through my DMT journey Mm. was I'm wearing all these masks and I have this macho trainer mask and I have this you know very loving relationship mask and then I have this very insecure mask and then I have this very you know angry mask Mm. and it came to a point you know, I think you can you can resonate with this as I resonated with yours is that, dude, I wasn't showing up. Mm. I wasn't. And I wasn't doing anybody. I wasn't doing anything but giving doing myself a disservice. Yeah. And like you said, it's like you were searching for love. And I think we all are in a way, you know, and we're all on those paths, especially me mm. growing up in a very destructive, abusive household. Yeah. Me seeing you know, parents fighting, spitting on each other, throwing mm-hmm. at each other, yelling all the time, and then yeah. divorcing. And to me, I thought that was love for a long time. Yep. You know, even to a point where when I was competitively bodybuilding, I thought it was okay at one point to put my hands on somebody. Yeah. It's never okay. Right. Never. You know, and, you know, I've, I've definitely made my amends to that. You know, and that's far beyond behind me. But, you know, that kind of showed me that was a mask. Mm. You know, trying to shield something, trying to control love. I think something especially that we were taught as men is that, you know, if we're men, then we can control the outcome Mm -hmm. because we're stronger and because we have different needs when... I think we both learned that women and men have these same needs. Yeah. You know, and in my opinion, women have more mm-hmm. needs than men. Absolutely. You know, so it's, it's, it's pretty powerful that you're saying that. And thanks for sharing. Cause um, you know, I think, I think that mask is ultimately in, in my opinion, what's driving these, these conflictions within you know, the soul with a lot of men, you know, Absolutely. being able to touch into that compassionate side. Yeah. And not being scared of it. Cause it's, I think what happened to me as a kid was I got scared off of that being compassionate because I would get such neg, not even negative reactions, but I was just in the friend zone a lot. 
I think that happens to a lot of guys when they're young, where they're like, they try being nice and then they find that they're everyone's friend and nobody likes them though. And it's just having, being, having coming from that genuine place of looking at every person in front of you as a person first, before you look at them as a sexual partner was what was the game changer for me. Cause then I'm like, okay, I'm genuinely interested in this person who's in front of me, man or a woman, doesn't matter who I'm talking to. I want to talk to them and learn about them. And then if past that, there's some other interest that goes on, then amazing. But first it's this genuine interest and it's not being nice to get something. Cause I think that's a spot. A lot of people get tripped up and it's certain spot. I got tripped up for a long, long time and swung too hard the other way. And you see people, oh, what's the saying? It's a, uh, it's like, if you really love a rose, you'll leave it in the ground and you'll go there and water it every day. But if you try to cut the rose out of the ground and take it home with you, it'll die very quickly. And it's just such a beautiful metaphor for love because when you try to control it and you try to take it home with you and just like you're in this, this lacking mentality, not this abundance mentality, you'll find very quickly that it goes away because you can't control it. Not for very long, at least. It may seem like you can for a little bit, but I think it was uh oh god, it was Dr. Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you've listened to him at all, but he had a he had a saying. He's like, if you go home and have an argument with your wife and you're trying to win, and you win the argument, then you're le- you're living with someone who's defeated. And why do you think you've done yourself a service? by making yourself live with someone who's defeated all the time. Like if you don't think that's going to affect you in a negative way over time, then (laughs) you're not thinking about it. So it's like this mindset of control, control, control. You're really only, you're hurting the other person. Yes. But you're hurting yourself in the long run too, because then you're living like, does anyone really, when they write down their list of things they want in a relationship, like I want someone who's so weak that I can control them all the time and they have no original thoughts of their own. It's like, I don't think anyone's aiming at that. So why do we manifest that and try to get that to work? Yeah. And I mean, and honestly, for me personally, where it kind of comes from is that, oh, if you like somebody, you're, you're mean to them. If somebody's mean to you in school, that means they like you. Yeah. Right. Dude, that is probably what I've what I've come to realize was probably the most useless piece of information I've ever learned in my human life. Absolutely, because that never works. Mm-hmm. It never works, and I'm, I'm you know sharing my personal experience. Like that's why, you know, we're together now again. But that's why I lost my relationship in the first yeah. place. Is because I thought that if I could control how she loves me mm-hmm. because of my own insecurities and because of my own feelings and voids. Yeah. I thought that it would make it better, but come to find out everything I was asking for was not her way of showing me love. Yeah. It was not my way of even receiving love <laughs> because the only way we can receive love is to give it freely. Yes. And it being able to accept whoever is able to give it in the way they choose to do it. And you know, it's in the book that we're reading for the mastermind, you know, that, that first month of the third quarter of yeah. the mastermind love. Yes. And dude, your garbage is your garbage. Their garbage is their garbage. And you don't go into a relationship and you don't go and buy a dog looking for a cat or you don't go in and buy a cat looking when you're looking for a dog. Yes. You know, you can't buy a dog and tell it to meow. It, it doesn't work. And quite frankly, that even if that dog did meow, it's no longer a dog. And now you're no longer dog happy with that dog. And you right? probably took too many mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in no way am I re- referencing a woman to a dog right now. But you find it is just so powerful to me. Right. Goes both ways. It allowed me now to receive her love openly. Mm-hmm. And being able to understand, like, even if it doesn't bring me some sense of fulfillment, it's not on her. Yeah. It's on me and there's something on my mind and in my heart that I need to address mm-hmm. and acknowledge and appreciate what she's trying to do, even if I'm not personally in a place to give it back. But then I have to remember not to be guilty or not to be shameful if I can't show it back in that present moment. Yeah. You know, because in, you know, law four agreements, you know, don't take things personally. You yes. know, if you want this relationship to work with an agreement 
then if I decide to show you love and you don't show me love back, like that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that was so hard for me. Like the hardest for me, because I've always seen a relationship as, Oh, it always has to be a hundred, a hundred. And I used to say 50, 50. Yeah. And I stopped really quick saying 50, 50 when somebody said, that's not a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's a bartering exchange. Yeah. And a codependency. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's when I realized when I lost her, I had those symptoms of codependency. Yeah. Um, which all align with those addictions and alcoholisms and how yep. we numb ourselves. But the only thing is, is now we're not numbing ourselves with a substance. Now we're numbing ourselves with a feeling or a story we're telling ourselves. Right. Because we don't feel as though we're even worthy for that love. It's why that aspect of control gets so... <laughs> it can cause such strong emotions because it's the same as if your heroin gets taken away. It's the same as if these other things get taken away because of the scary shit that's living just below your conscious mind starts to bubble up as soon as your lover, your girlfriend is not fulfilling your, your numbing that you're looking for Mm -hmm. that ego numbing. And as soon as that stops, then all of a sudden the shit that you've been trying to ignore and doing everything in your power to, not look at starts to come up so then it's like oh what the fuck i can't believe you would do this to me you're making me feel so shitty and it's like no that's your shit that's internal and you know in my case my shit that's internal that's bubbling up and i had so many so many negative relationships before my girlfriend that i've been with for three years now had so many negative relationships that were just born out of like mutual insecurity and just like you're saying both being 50 percent and I look at it like, you know, if you imagine the Eiffel Tower in 2D, it's like you're both one pillar. And then if your pillar isn't sturdy or her pillar isn't sturdy, that fucking building up here is going to tip over whichever way. So you both need to be 100% and have a strong base. And then if you have those strong bases, then you can build something beautiful and it can go much higher than you could both go individually. But if one of your bases is fucked up, or in most cases, if both of your bases are fucked up, that thing's not going to work. And they can't be over holding your side because if they come over to hold your side, their side falls down. And same right. vice versa. I think it's, as with all versions of trying to help people, it's like you have to help yourself first and get yourself to the place of wholeness as much as you can. It's a constant process, but as much as you can. And the more whole you can be, the more you'll actually have to offer because your cup will be full and then you have some to give. Right. And I think as men, that's just so important, you know, because I think that, you know, especially from, from my experience, like, dude, if you would have, if you would have talked to me two years ago, three years ago, like I'd be like emotions. You want to talk about our emotions? Like, no, (laughs) right. I don't need to, Yep. but that's, that's just not human nature, you know? So I think it is, really powerful that 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 eiffel tower analogy i'm totally mm-hmm. gonna do that from now on yeah uh, because i still see my codependency therapist mm-hmm. you know i i still you know i'm putting in the work to understand like okay well this is this is a better way to do things i like this yeah. journey a lot more you know and it, it does nothing for either party and you said it beautifully that you know if one side is 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 bent or if it's not sturdy it's just going to collapse yeah on top of the side that's not sturdy right and it'll always be the person who's not sturdy that it collapses on and i say that because and you even said it um that feeling when you come off the drugs dude i kid you not when i came home and she was gone and that dog was gone like i was having physical withdrawal felt like i was coming off of heroin all over again yep and it wasn't even t- until that rock bottom moment that you're like, oh, wow, I have a problem. Yes. And, you know, anybody who's ever suffered from any type of addiction, which is a lot of people, yes. <laughs> have felt that in some way, shape, or form, whether it be mental, emotional, physical, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. You, you talked about uh, going to codependency therapy. I mean, I think therapy of some form is so huge for men. I think men are drastically underrepresented in terms of the people that actually go seek out therapy because we're taught to be tough and we're taught to not have these emotions and it's like such a bullshit story like everyone has emotions like 
yes, men and women are different, but they are different not in whether or not they have emotions. <laughs> they are different in maybe how assertive they are. And even that, it's a spectrum. So it's like for many men to think like, oh, I shouldn't go seek therapy because then I'll be a little bitch. It's like, no, actually, you'll be a more effective human. And then you'll be 40 million steps ahead of everyone else in your journey. And you'll be laughing at the idiots that thought that therapy made you a little bitch on your golden throne of money because you're such a healed human. Like, right. It's the way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's something I love talking about because I mean, how many times do you hear about like couples or marriages falling apart, literally falling apart and men are literally about to lose their wife. Mm -hmm. They're about to lose their kids. They're about to lose their house, their cars, their jobs over this. Yeah. The only thing that their wife asks or anything that their partner asks is, can we go to therapy? And for some reason, and I used to be this way too, because I was married at 19, got divorced at 21. Mm. Dude, like I was like, no, I don't want to go to marriage counseling. I don't need that. Like, I don't, I don't need somebody else to tell me how to fix our marriage. Like we don't need anybody else telling us what to do, but then that's the addiction of control switching on. And like, I literally went to my codependency therapist an hour before we jumped on this. Yeah. You no. Know? And we made some amazing breakthroughs. So we looked at everything and how the way I behave my partner in my, with my girlfriend now all stems from those child behaviors, from those traumas, Yes. even from the examples that our parents set for us. Yeah. And it turns out, you know, and I'm again, a work in progress, just like everybody else mm -hmm. reflecting a lot of the same behaviors my father carried. Yeah. And that's the thing is most men and I shouldn't say most men, most men I've talked to yeah. say what they don't want to be anything like their father. Yep. And what do we end up being most like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, on that topic, I had a revelation, whatever you want to call it. A message came through to me on my ayahuasca trip this last weekend, and that was just that the things that you're good at as an adult are a roadmap to your traumas you experienced as a child. And like that shit just hit me like a fucking lightning bolt, and it rang so true immediately because it's exactly what you're talking about. And it's if you critically analyze yourself, which could be difficult, if you're so deep in it, it's really hard to critically analyze yourself. But look at your behaviors. If you're an angry person all the time, you're good at being angry. <laughs> yeah. And then that came from somewhere. And typically it came from somewhere in your childhood where you didn't feel enough. So you started to lash out because it got a response. Or you saw anger all the time. So you emulated it because it's the only way you knew how to be. A lot of these things, when you start to break them down and you start to look at them, you can start to see directly where they came from. And like you're saying, so often it's shit that you told yourself when you were a kid. You're like, I'm never going to be like that. I don't want to be like that. It's like it creeps up on you. If you don't look at it, that shadow just grows and grows. And all of a sudden it's this fucking huge monster you have to confront. And I think for so many men, particularly, they could cut that monster in half by going and seeking out the therapy that maybe they need. Um, or I'm a huge advocate for plant medicines in the right circumstance because the 100%. ego dissolving effect of it. Um, going and seeking that out, maybe even before you need it, being proactive about it is just so massive. And it's been massive for me to intermittently go and check my own ego because I'm, I have the tendency to let my ego spin off and just start thinking I'm like hot shit and I deserve this and I deserve that. And it's like, I need to check myself every so often and have a legitimate conversation, both with my partner, but also like sans ego internally to go, where am I at? Okay. Why am I doing this, this, and this? Oh, okay. I'm lashing out at my friends because I hate my job right now. Oh, I don't want to do that. That's not good. Why am I taking it out on them? <laughs> Right. And I think it's really cool that you said the proactive effort because yeah. marriage counseling is usually what a reactive effort, mm -hmm. um, you know, all these different things. And even, even just kind of like switching gears real quick. What's the one thing that most men's partners say 
that gets them most angry, you're just like your father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you. that is that giant shadow that creeps up yep. and mashes on you like a tidal yep. wave. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like those moments. It's like, well, what did she mean by that? Am I? Right. Am I really no way i'm not like that and that 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 hint of denial comes in and what's Mm -hmm. the first step in addiction denial yep (laughs) you know so it's like looking at it from that aspect and going back to the proactive efforts that we can do to change this is Mm -hmm. you know after i lost her it was a reaction me going to this therapist was a reaction of losing her but it was a proactive effort to make the changes needed in order to be happy with myself to then come back together and yeah. mend the relationship or at least try to mend the relationship mm-hmm. in which state we are in right now. Yeah. Um, and it's going beautifully because I'm actually making progress yes. and seeing changes and I'm not so stuck in my ego about it, you know, because I look at it the same way I see the healthcare industry and the fitness industry. Healthcare is normally a reactive effort nowadays. Oh, you got broke your leg, go to the hospital. Oh, you're sick, go get some medicine. Oh, you're in pain. Here's some painkillers, which I'm absolutely ferocious about when it comes to that. Anyways, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I heard something and and it's stuck with me for so long that healthcare starts with Mm self-care. And, you know, if we can apply that same principle to our masculinity and to our relationships, to our marriages, to our, our... even our relationships with our kids, you know, I've seen a family counselor on, you know, things that I struggle as a father. Like I remember one of my bodybuilding days, my, my daughter was very, very young and I remember raising my voice and it scared her. Yeah. And that was a defining moment to where I said, okay, that was my dad. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want that (laughs) because now she's crying. I'm looking at her in the face and I feel like a shitty dad. Yep. But instead of beating ourselves up, thinking we're a shitty dad or telling the kid that they need to stop crying and yep. saying, no, I'm sorry, right. that, that was completely wrong of me. And yeah. see the family counselor on saying, okay, how can I communicate better with my children? Yeah. How can I be a little bit more proactive so I don't react to her? What things can I do in her daily regimen that, may, that might have mitigated the risk of that issue even coming up? Yeah. You know, I think that's such a, it's a beautiful piece of vulnerability because I think the juncture you're talking about that moment in time, what most people's reaction is, and this goes, you know, if you don't spend a lot of time thinking about your emotions, this shit flies through your head at a million miles a second and you don't even notice it. And like all of a sudden you're way over here in some different emotion. You have no idea how you got there. But what happens to most people in that moment is, you have a burst of anger. Daughter starts crying. You start to feel guilty that they're crying. And that guilt is a like one of the most painful emotions. Like guilt and shame, those two emotions are the ones that people will spend as much of their resources as they can to avoid. So very quickly, your brain makes the shift from guilt to either more anger. Why the fuck are you crying? Cut out the crying. We're in public. Don't do this you know better, you were being bad, whatever it might be, because you're trying to avoid that guilt because you know you know you fucked up. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people create a self-justification loop where it's like, well, it had to be like that because if I don't toughen, whatever, I don't toughen this kid up now, then she'll never be tough and have a tough time in life. It's not my fault. She did this, this, this. And it's like, that's how you spiral out of control. But when you start to wake up like you did and you start to actually sit with the emotion for a second and go, ooh, I feel guilt. Probably feel guilt because I acted in a way I don't believe in. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I got to sit with that. It's going to hurt initially, but it's going to help you to not encounter that situation in the future. And that's, it's such an important part of what I believe you could call like divine masculinity or the ideal type of masculinity, which is it's the protector role. But to be in that protector role, you need to be very, very aware of your own emotions so that you're not protecting yourself. You're protecting others. Because a lot of times we, <laughs> we misguide our protector into, I'm protecting me. And fuck you. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, how can I protect others? And that starts with emotional awareness, I think. 
Yeah, 100%. And I mean, it, it's it's actually pretty profound that you just use the words self-justification, Luke, because that's literally um, what I think I struggle with the most in, a, in at least a romantic relationship. Mm. I have a very amazing, constructive, beautiful relationship with my children. And, you know, I've found, you know, my divine masculinity of being a parent. Now it's me finding the divine masculinity of being in a relationship. But how you do anything is how you do everything. So I'm now kind of looking at all of the principles in which I, you know, speak and behave and, you know, don't go into those self-justification loops with my children. Yeah. And I'm going to like come over here to my relationship, you know, and it all just comes from a place of self. Yeah. You know, even when I have those insecure moments, like everybody does, you know, and there are times where I'm, I just completely just lose that awareness. You know, and those are the worst, the absolute worst. Um, when you're sitting there and you're literally justifying why you feel like shit. Yeah. It makes zero sense afterwards. Like I kind of um, had this realization more recently, you know, and I was like, why did I feel that way? Oh, wait. And just like you just said, it's like, oh, I'm probably overwhelmed with work or it's because I'm trying to do things that aren't aligned with my belief system or my value. I'm saying yes to too many things and I'm saying yes to people who I maybe shouldn't be saying yes to. Yeah. So that was, that was a really powerful part and uh, very profound. So thanks for sharing that one. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said. Super deep. Yeah. Well, I love what you said about the about the self justification loop, and in relation to your relationship. I mean, I literally noticed this in myself today. So I had, I was driving to go pick up my girlfriend, and as I was driving to go pick her up, she texted me like three times with like updates, like, "Hey, I could actually meet you over here instead." And just like, I noticed myself getting all fucking stressed out. And like, what I wanted to do when she first got in the car, when I got to her, was like be snappy with her and be like, Hey, don't text me a bunch when I'm driving. Like, what the hell? Like you're distracting me. Like, what if I crash? I checked in with myself for a second as I was driving and I went, okay, three texts shouldn't really annoy me that much. I could just ignore them. It's not like I have to respond to them while I'm driving. I can just meet her there. It's fine. And when I checked in with myself for a second, what I noticed was like, Oh, I haven't gotten a lot done today. I kind of had a lazy day before this. I was feeling bad about that. And then as soon as I had something external to latch onto instead of the internal state of feeling like I hadn't done what I was supposed to today, then I was like, oh, there's that external thing. So it's like once I had that awareness, I was able to opt out and go, okay, I'm not pissed about that. So when she gets in the car, I'm going to be like, hey, babe, how's it going? It's really good to see you. How was your day? And it's like choosing that consciously just totally changed. We could have had an entire entire rest of the night now where we're kind of like sniping at each other, just both in bad moods. But it's like being able to have that emotional awareness myself and go, okay, it's not really these three text messages that is making me this upset because that's very unreasonable. Here's where it's actually coming from. Yeah. And funny that you said that like that's what happened to you today this happened to me last night um (laughs) where i i I got lost i started um justifying my shitty feeling instead of checking in with myself Mm -hmm. right which now i'm realizing it's like okay now that i've done that in that exact present circumstance i actually um now i'm looking at my processes and i'm saying is my process for checking in really there? Right. Is it effective? Yeah. The process I had in place has only been working maybe 90% of the time. Mm. So I think another thing on, you know, attaining what, you know, you and I are now referring to as divine masculinity. Yeah. Um, I think we just created that. We should totally make that. Yeah. Property. Just... <laughs> make it a shirt. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> you know, on that note, it's like, I think the, the, the biggest part for me in, in, in achieving divine masculinity is reevaluating my process of being the man I want to be, Yeah. you know, and seeing these issues that come up and not instantly jumping to the fear of, 
oh, well, now she's going to break up with me. Now she doesn't want to be with me. Now she's going to think that I haven't changed. Now she's going to do this. Now she's going to do this. And that's the, where the feedback, yep. that's where the spiral, that's the spiral. The spiral is after the feedback loop. Yep. So luckily having that awareness before the spiral was yep. set in place, right? Because it, it used to not be there. Yeah. Especially before the counseling, you know, and I think that's what counseling helped me with the most is giving me a set of tools for me to build the process that works best for me. Yeah. Because even though she gave me this trigger log that has these specific questions, I did ask myself some of those questions, but at one point in time in that trigger log, I didn't know how to answer the question. So I immediately just stopped. Yep. Like, psh, like we're done. Fuck this thing. Yep. I'm doing what I want. Yeah. Right? That's the ego. Took yep. right over. Exactly. Right, like complete shadow moment. And dude, this morning I was like, all right, I'm meditating on this and I'm, and I'm really going to go event by event and by event and by event and by event and find where the gap in the process was just yeah. like, um, your business, say for instance, like yeah. if you have a gap in your process, if you have a gap in your systems, guess what? Now this person's order didn't go to the Shopify account and now they're not getting their product. And now you have a bad customer review and now you're getting less SEO on Google. Yep. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of looked at that myself and I'm just saying, you know, where, where was my system? Hmm. What's, where's my gap in my system? Just like I have gaps of systems in my business, I have to approach it with the same logical approach. And that's the only way to, to get that fight or flight turned off. And, and yeah. I think for men, counseling is the biggest tool you can have. Yeah. And, and, and especially seeing multiple counselors, multiple therapies, like hmm. I've seen EMDR therapist. I've seen a different type of trauma therapist. I've seen a codependency therapist, a family yeah. counselor. I've seen a, you know, a men's counselor, a love, yeah. coach, you know, a life coach, a business coach, and taking all of these different assets and tools and people who I've had to help for yes. is the only reason I'm able to put these tools together to create a system to then therefore have a happy relationship with a woman. Yeah. It's not the woman's fault, man. Right. Exactly. The man's fault. It's the yeah. ego's fault. <laughs> and I think it can, we can get so tied up in the, the biggest lie that society tells us, which is men shouldn't have emotions. So we, we jump through a lot of mental hurdles to only feel one of the couple of acceptable, air quotes, emotions that we're supposed to feel. And it's like a lot of times this shit just stems from insecurity. And you know what the best way to work through your insecurity is? Actually acknowledging it's there and figuring out where it came from. And the nice thing about having a counselor or a therapist or someone just maybe that you just trust is that you have a nonpartisan third party to actually bounce your emotions off of where you can feel safe. And it's like a lot of times we don't feel with that with our friends because like, what if I get judged? What if they hate me? Nice thing about a therapist is if you feel like you overshared, just fucking don't go to that therapist again. Go to a different one. You're good to go. Doesn't yeah. matter. So it's like it's a safe space for you to actually share those emotions that are really the cause of what's happening underneath. Because I think what happens to me all the time is I'll feel insecure and it'll be something insignificant. Like it's happened less recently, but I remember with some girls I previously used to date, I would just get so insecure and big. Let me see your phone. You know, are you texting other guys? Da, 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 that sort of like possessive behavior. And there was, I would always try to justify it with like, well, yeah, but she, she went out last night and didn't tell me she was going out. And it's like, no, it was just my insecurity driving that. And once I was able to acknowledge that, it's like now I'm to a healthy place where I'm actually in an open relationship now, which is a whole separate topic. That's a, a, a test in and of itself. <laughs> but yeah, I've gotten to the place now where it's like, I'll see a guy uh, flirting with my girlfriend and oh, well, good. She's getting some attention. We have some very clear rules about like when we're both out together, we're with each other. But if someone wants to flirt with her and I know that makes her feel good, awesome. I actually think it's kind of funny and it makes me feel good because I'm like, oh, clearly she's hot shit because someone else is flirting with her. That makes me feel good. <laughs> but it's like, it had to get there over the course of a long period of time of me acknowledging the insecurity over and over again. And once you acknowledge the insecurity, you can start to get to the root causes. For me, that was just like not feeling like I was enough 
as a kid and especially through like middle school and high school experiencing a bit of bullying where it was just like, I'm not good enough. And that just gets internalized. And once that's so internalized, then you have this basis of insecurity you're always working off of. And from there, it's just like poison. <laughs> you can poison a lot of relationships that way. Yeah. And I mean, I can personally say like that's happened to me on multiple scenarios. I've always um, had that insecurity of I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy because I never met my parents' expectations yeah. or because something wasn't done right. So I had to go out and do it again. And I kept on having to go out and do it again because I was just too stupid. I guess I don't know how to do things right. Right. So, and with the polyamory, dude, props to you. I mean, I personally, I, you know, that's not, you know, how I prefer to do it. And everybody has their yeah. own choice. Absolutely. But, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's, that's some strength right there, man. Um, I think it's a, uh, something I'm working on now is being able to even, you know, look at her and then look across the gym or something. And some guys here and, you know, she's kind of, I'm like, okay, I have two choices here. (laughs) I can either be that guy and walk up and make it all awkward and therefore make her feel like pressured or scared or intimidated of what I'm thinking. So she doesn't come home or she doesn't want to be around me later. Or I can just keep doing my thing and just trust the fact that nothing's going to happen because let's face it, if we've been together almost two years, I highly doubt some random person is going to break that apart in little smithereens. So where is this worry coming from? Right. That's something I personally um, had to work through. And that's something I can confidently say, like, thank God it's not there anymore. Yes. (laughs) How many men walk around like that? You know, that's, you know, it, I think it's more prominent than most people would like to admit, you know, and, you know, I'm not sitting here, you know, praising speech therapy and bowing to it. I think that, you know, men could also receive these other messages through plant medicine for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because in those experiences, you know, from especially mine, that, that, that ego death, that check and, you know, just from that reminiscing of that moment you know, things don't really seem that big of a deal anymore when you're, when you're there, right? Absolutely. Um, Your life becomes much more important. Your relationship becomes much more important. And you start to really identify and see the bullshit you're creating on your own. Yeah. You know, so I think whatever path anybody takes, as long as it's a proactive path, yeah, that's a win. And, And that's what'll create, you know, the divine masculinity yeah but i think it's that it's that path to self-mastery that i think i think so dr dan has this uh this framework and i won't dive too much into it because i don't think he's released it fully yet but it's the mastery mindset versus the mystery mindset and the mastery mindset is the typically masculine mindset where we we strive to conquer and we strive to, okay, I'm going to get every metric and I'm going to figure out everything and I'm going to get all the data and I'm going to, I'm going to win. And like, that's the mastery mindset. I'm going to master what I'm going up strive. And that has its place. It has its uses. It's not like that works for some things, but then there's the mystery mindset and that's being the inquisitive person, the one that investigates, the one that tries to learn more, that tries to see why something's coming up. And like, that's where most men struggle is they don't have much of that mystery mindset. I've certainly been in that place and I constantly have to check in with myself because most men don't ask a question when an emotion comes up, like, where did that come from? Why did I just feel that? Was that really about the other person? Because like you're saying, it's like if your girlfriend, if some random guy at the gym picked her up out of nowhere, he actually did you a favor because guess what? That relationship wasn't for you. Right. <laughs> like in the secure frame of mind, that's like, okay, cool. You just saved me a lot of wasted time because this could have happened 10 years down the road. So mm-hmm. that's what where I've come to now is like if someone was to steal my girlfriend away, air quotes, forever yeah then cool that means that wasn't the relationship for me because i have so much trust and belief in myself that i know that i have something to offer that's beautiful and that comes from a place of investigating and 
digging up these insecurities over and over again and going, where did that come from? Why do I have that? Oh, that was my parents. Oh, that was some kid in high school who made fun of me. Oh, that was the first girl that I was with who cheated on me. Oh, that was this, 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 this. Once you start to root those out, you start to not, what's the saying? Uh, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Like people who are hurt are the ones that hurt others. And when you start to systematically go through and find those hurts that you've experienced and you start to remove them from your brain, all of a sudden you're not acting out that system anymore. Right. And I heard something very similar. Um, someone had mentioned to me, every man has an inner master and an inner dog. Mm. Right. And the fact of the matter is, is that men don't choose to be the master. A lot of times mm. men just have an untrained dog that just goes yeah. and, you know, chases after the mailman, yep. you know, and, and that's the ego side of things. And it's trying to protect us. The dog is trying to protect us. Yeah. He's a foreign object. It goes and attacks, but in reality, it, it, it's just fucking us over. Yeah. So no, I, I 100%, 100% agree with that. Yeah. It's been really interesting, you know, and I, I kind of like the, um, the mystery there, you know, that's the inquisitive and that's, that is a, is a different way that I haven't heard before. So I'm pretty excited to, learn more about that when it does come about. Well, I'll share, I'll share offline here. I'll share you, with you some of the framework because we had it at one of the workshops for Fit for Surface. So he gave us a sneak peek. So you can definitely hear about it. I just want to release it to the world when it's not mine to release. So well, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we're getting towards the end here. Uh, any closing thoughts um, just on masculinity as a whole, things you've noticed for yourself, maybe some just action steps for people? Yeah, I mean, I've found just in my personal journey with masculinity that the more feminine I am, the more masculine I feel, mm. right? Mm -hmm. The softer I am, the more people respect me as a man yep. and not a douche. Yep. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I guess, I guess the biggest action steps, I mean, and these are just from my experience, mm -hmm. you know, in no way, shape, or form, and I am, am I a medical professional, am I a psychologist, or so. Yeah or a, you know, guru, you know, but, you know, if you're having like these issues and if you're feeling these insecurities, like the best thing you can do is proactively seek a resolution before you have to react to something that is far more catastrophic, Yeah, you know, and something that could literally crumble your life, right? If, if, if you don't know how to handle it. Because it's not about what happens, it's about, you know, how we cope with it and yeah. what we do with that coped behavior. I love it. And to that point, it's like as you as you proactively pursue these things, your relationships get better. Like that's the beauty of it. All of your relationships with men, with women, with old people, with younger people, they get better because every man and every woman has that balance of masculine and feminine within them and when they are their most in balance you are at your most complete you are your best version of yourself so that that's a rising tide that helps all ships rise and as you craft that within yourself proactively your relationships you're going to be happy more it's like oh fucking sweet turns out if i do a little extra work on the side here i get more out of my partner and yeah. some of the things that we're trying to like insecurely hold on to actually just come naturally they want to spend more time with us because we're this positive shining light of joy rather than this like gremlin in the corner that's like don't leave me where are you going it's like as you become that joyful human that's completed yourself and undone some of your traumas you become the person who other people naturally have a magnetism to they want to be around you because they're like oh that guy gets it he's fucking yeah. got his shit together Right, because your vibration's not all over the place. Like you're not, you don't, you don't know how to, you know, just let things go. You can just like hone in on your vibration. You can just let that go, let that go, let those, let that go. All these things that are coming in to mess up whatever's happening here. You know, it's if you don't allow those things to affect you anymore. Right. You're grounded and you're aligned. Yes. And now your results are not dictating your identity. Your identity is creating your result. Yes. Absolutely. I love it. 
It's a great conversation. I think it's going to help a lot of people to just understand a little bit, a little bit deeper from two manly manly here that uh, have probably gone through quite a bit of pain that we've caused ourselves over the years that was just not necessary. So it's a, uh, Appreciate you being on. I appreciate you sharing so vulnerably. If you want to share a little bit, just how people can find you online, Instagram, what's the best place to get at you? 100%, man. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And dude, it is so nice to connect with you, you know, yeah. not just um, from the fit for service mastermind, but man to man, I think um, this will wholeheartedly help, you know, a lot of men, you know, because hopefully some men hear this and, and they realize them like, oh, wow. I didn't even know I had that issue. Yeah. Which is normally those. Um, but yeah, so people can find me normally on Instagram. It's at Nathan Kohlerman. Um, I'm sure that, you know, I can send that over to you and then it can be in comments or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but website is being built right now. It's www.newintention.com. So that'll be up shortly where I'll have uh, my in-person services, uh, my online programs that will hopefully eventually become very much to life here pretty soon and then i'm also putting up some events some retreats and other stuff like that awesome and new intentions that n-e-u do i have the right yes sir it's n-e-u in okay. perfect awesome well thanks for being on my man and appreciate it and uh talk to you soon Well, that is it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I thought this was a pretty powerful one. I think uh, Nathan had a lot of really, really vulnerable insights just about his personal journey through his masculinity. And I really tried to open up myself about my personal journey through masculinity. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please consider sharing it out with a friend, especially if it's a young man who you think could use some of this info. I definitely wish I had known a lot of the stuff that I know now when I was young. Longer. would have made my journey a lot shorter and I would have been a lot less of a douchebag so I hope you enjoyed the episode if you did five star rating is always awesome if you can drop a positive review on the podcast that helps as well and share it out with a friend we are also on YouTube and if you do not already have me followed on Instagram it is at Alexander Diesel you can go follow me there and you get all the updates about when I'm dropping new episodes of the podcast but appreciate you listening as always and I will see you soon